Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Back to another episode of the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Harley Schultz. Well, I feel more like a legend today, but uh, the way uh, that it took for me to boot up my computer, my computer is definitely in the legendary category. <laughs> there you go. Hey, to be a legendary legend, as an old. Le- yeah, I was going to say legend ages, right? You got to age to be exactly. a legend. So I'm pretty close to pre- being pretty legendary too, then, I guess. Well, I'm pretty sure my. Uh, my kneecaps and my hips are also reaching uh, legendary status. Don't, don't even talk to me about that. I took, <laughs> I took Friday off, and I had about, I don't know, what was it, 150 linear feet of decking to paint. I'm making a, I'm making a privacy fence or a privacy screen, I guess you would say. And like a dope, I didn't use my extension on the, on the roller. I was bent over, you know, and, and like... I don't know, crab walking down the line, rolling everything out. And after two coats, I was like, oh, I can use this. This will help. Except it was too late at that point. Two days later, my legs were like, oh, my God. And they're still sore. So, Well, I've got a massage scheduled for tomorrow, so hopefully that will help me. Just imagine if we were actually going through training camp. Oh, I mean, I remember two-a-days back in, in school days for me. And that was a good 30-plus years ago. But uh, actually, I just celebrated my 30-year reunion the other day, so oh, literally 30 years ago. I, was, I thought you were going to say that was literally 30 pounds ago, but 30 years makes sense. Uh, it was more like 60, 70 pounds ago, but yes. <laughs> <Gotcha>. <laughs> All right. I won't talk about massages or anything like that because I'm always trying to cop a massage. Um, my wife usually appeases me because I've got a bad back, as you know. So who knows? Maybe we'll see if I can, you know. If I hurt myself during this show, I can get a free back massage too afterwards. Well, and, and unlike Deshaun Watson, I, I go to the same masseuse every week. Uh, not every week, but every month. I live with my masseuse, so I'm good. Um, with that said, we're not even going to touch that. We're going to just throw it on over to Harley. Neither will he. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we're going to throw it over to Harley for this week's Blitz Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. It was revealed this weekend that Pittsburgh running back Najee Harris is in the process of recovering from a Liz Frank injury sustained during training camp. Still, for some odd reason, Pittsburgh thought it was a good idea for him to play 28 snaps in Sunday's preseason finale. Amazingly, Harris made it through the game unscathed. Unfortunately, the same cannot be said for T.J. Watt, and Deontay Johnson, both of whom suffered minor injuries during the game. Also, Mitch Trubisky made it through the game, but unfortunately is still Mitch Trubisky. So there's that too. (laughs) New York Giants wide receiver Kenny Galladay failed to catch his only target this past weekend in their preseason finale, and he finished the preseason with just one catch for six yards. What can I say? 
It is always exciting to see the Giants' wide receiver room in midseason form so early on. There have even been rumors of the team receiving trade offers for Darius Slayton. Offers. Plural. I mean, if someone offered me an uncooked TV dinner for Darius Slayton, I would have rushed to the computer and slammed the accept button. <laughs> the Miami Dolphins released veteran wide receiver Mohamed Sanu on Monday. The BPN news team can confirm that the release was due to the Dolphins quarterback room being scared of being upstaged by Sanu's arm strength. <laughs> and finally, Washington Commanders rookie running back Brian Robinson was shot multiple times Sunday during an attempted carjacking. The D.C. police have a lengthy suspect pool to interview, beginning with everybody that drafted Antonio Gibson in early season drafts. This has been your BPN News Update. Okay, okay. That's, uh, <clears throat> if there's ever a fitting time to say too soon, I think this would be it. Yeah, and I, I could have gone much, much more harsh on that whole uh, last bit there, but I wanted to at least uh, give a little bit of credit to the fact that uh, this is a bad thing. Uh we, we can poke some fun at, but there's really, it's hard to take lightness to the fact that Brian Robinson was the victim of a carjacking. Now, I mean, there's people on, online saying that, well, this was a Tanya Harding situation, and, and realistically, we don't know. There's not enough information come out yet. Uh, obviously, earlier in the day, literally hours before this, Robinson was officially named the starting running back for the commanders. I think most people knew that based on the preseason usage and, and early coach speak that that was going to be the situation. But we actually got the official word earlier that day that it was Robinson's job. Now, of course, uh, shot multiple times in the lower body, including in the leg. We have to assume at the very least he's going to miss the first half of the season, if not the entire season because of this. Obviously, we all are praying for a healthy and speedy recovery for Mr. Robinson. But at the same time, uh, obviously, people who were fortunate enough to hold on to Gibson, people that didn't drop him in, in Dynasty Leagues, and, and people who are still drafting now suddenly have the advantage of getting Gibson at probably a slightly uh, above uh, profit rate. Yeah, and I'm far from a doctor. Didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. But, yeah, I would, <clears throat> I would think six to eight weeks minimum from any type of lower, lower body injury with a football player that's been shot multiple times. Um, but yeah, we're hoping that everything works out okay with him. Listen, it would have been a good segue to talk about handcuffs, which we're going to get into tonight. I didn't preface what we're going to do tonight prior to the news. Um, we are going to touch on top handcuffs to target in drafts, as well as um, players that we're reaching early for based on their ADP. But first, we are going to get into handcuffs. So, I don't like handcuffs. Well, you know what? I... I... I'm a huge fan of handcuffing. You know why I don't like handcuffing? Well, you're wasting a second spot on a player that will only perform and will only perform up to a certain level if one of your stars gets injured. I, I like analogies. I don't like paying insurance. To me, I look at handcuffing like insurance. However, as much as I don't like to pay insurance sometimes, it makes sense to have insurance. Well, and you, you can make a decent argument for that. You can also make a decent argument for purchasing insurance on other people's assets. That is true, too. So I'm not going to say that I'm giving you my top five handcuffs 
in order of one through five, people can decide what they think is, is most valuable. I've got five listed. Um, how many do you have? Do you have how many do you want to go over on your end? Well, let, let's go over your five, and then I will tell you if I agree with those five or if I have any that I would add to that list. Okay. And I think there will be a common, so I think there will be a lot of crossovers. Yeah, so. absolutely. And I think there will be a common theme that people will start to see after I give a few of them here. Number one is Kareem Hunt. That's the first name I wrote down. He's going off the board as running back 35 in the eighth round. That's a steep price to pay. However, there are rumors that he wants that they, they could be dealt, right? So, yeah, he wants he wants to be dealt. Uh, I, ironically, he was the player that uh, wanted out of Kansas City originally, and there have been rumors uh, going as recently as the last week that he's now trying to institute some sort of way to get a trade back to Kansas City, yeah. uh, among any other place he might end up where he could potentially be a starting running back for a team. And when you look at what Hunt has done uh, with his current team in Cleveland, even as a secondary figure, subordinate yes. figure, yes. Hunt has been playable yes. on roughly 80% of the weeks as a, at worst, a flex-level play. Yep. So that's why I like him as a handcuff. One, he has fantasy viability standalone with what his current role is. He has running back one upside if he gets traded somewhere because they're not trading to have him be a backup, right, or a compliment. Nope. And he's in an offense that if something, God forbid, happened to Nick Chubb, guess what? He's, again, a running back one. So that's where you hit the trifecta with Hunt as a handcuff in my mind. Well, ironically enough, though, last season, one of the things that was kind of frustrating with Kareem Hunt uh, was when uh, he, I'm sorry, when, when him and or Chubb missed time, they didn't really change their current roles and adapt additional starts, additional yardage, additional carries. Uh, Dearness Johnson ended up stepping into whomever's role was the absent player. See, and I understand that, but I'll say that. <coughs> Again, when it's a short-term absence, I can see a team doing that. But when you know that you've got a long haul to go with, there is no more Kareem Hunt or there is no more Nick Chubb for the long haul, then I yep. think you could see them change things up somewhat. So, And there, there are actually quite a few teams right now where if you were to look at their running back depth chart, their running back room, Kareem Hunt would easily be the running back one on. Oh, yeah. There's rumors that if Philly was going to trade for him and there's a lot of, you know, hope within Eagle land that that does happen. I don't know that it will, um, but it's one of the rumors out there. Number two is a guy that most Eagles would not like because they have a disdain for those Dallas Cowboys, but Tony Pollard almost fits the exact checks off all the same boxes, pretty much as Kareem Hunt. I don't think his upside's quite as high as a single role, single player that takes over for Zeke, but he's got standalone value, right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't think he's going to get traded, but he's got standalone value, and Zeke seems to be a descending asset, so Pollard could overtake him and actually be 1A to 1B. Um, so I, I like Pollard as a handcuff, um, and clearly he's a running back one if Zeke goes down. I actually agree with most of what you just said. However, I am uh, I, I have been unapologetically a Zeke fan my his entire career, and obviously I've accepted the fact over the last year and a half or so that his numbers aren't as elite as they once were. That said, I have just this weird feeling in my mind that Zeke is going to have a huge season this year. 
<laughs> and that, uh, I mean, this is kind of like his like post COVID comeback tour this season, I think. And I, I just, I am envisioning Zeke having a huge season and Pollard kind of getting pushed to the back burner. But we do know we've seen what we've seen with Pollard. We know that he's capable of filling in. We know that he's capable of being a B player uh, at worst, a bi-week replacement level player uh, when both are active and both are starting. But I, I would be surprised this year if, if we see more of what we used to see from Zeke and a little bit less Pollard usage. So here's the thing. I did say that Hunt was going off the board as running back 35 in the eighth round. Pollard's mm-hmm. going off the board as running back 34 in the eighth round. So you're not going to get both of them very likely unless you're at, you know, at the tips possibly. Um, so more than likely you had to make a decision on which one you want anyway. Um, for me, I'd probably lean Kareem Hunt at least nine out of 10 times. But both of those guys are guys that you would look at at that range. If you're going in a zero running back format. True. Absolutely. Um, another guy that I have on my list may not be a true handcuff in the sense of handcuffs go, but it's Naeem Hines. I believe we're going to see him more involved in the passing game this year. And if something were, and so I do see him having standalone flex value, maybe running back three value. That's his, that's probably his upside. Um, but if something were to happen to Jonathan Taylor, I don't think you see Hines. I know you don't see Hines wind up as a running back one. Somebody will spend their free agent bucks like he is, um, but he'll still have more involvement and probably could have that running back two type value. But he's a guy that you can get later. He's running back forty two off the board in the eleventh round. So. That's a nice when you're starting to build some depth at your running back position. He could be a zero running back target. He could be a regular depth person if you're, you went running back early, actually, too. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, though, in, in terms of like if, God forbid, something were to happen to Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines would be an adequate fill-in, but he's not going to produce running back one numbers. So, again, when you, when you think about taking him as a handcuff, uh, I, I wouldn't describe him, per se, as much as a true handcuff or a little bit less like, say, what we would have seen two or three years ago in Washington right. with a guy like J.D. McKissick, a standalone guy who can play some, who's going to catch some passes, be a part of the offense on a regular basis, but would not be a true fill-in for the guy if if your A1 was to be injured. Right. So at number four... Um, I've got a guy that probably falls in right around Pollard and, and the way that you see Pollard as, as a sense. Um, it's Alexander Madison, but to add some shine to Madison, evidently there's a chance that he's being shopped. Uh, I yeah, I, I, there's certainly a, a need to open up some room in the Vikings running back room. There's uh, several players that are kind of on the bubble there and obviously we'll know by this time tomorrow, uh, tomorrow being Tuesday, uh, who is being kept in that running back room. But Madison is under contract. His contract's a little bit higher than the team probably wants to pay for a backup. And he's certainly going to command a raise next offseason. They've got Delvin Cook currently under contract. They've got second-year player Kenny Nwangu, who has proven to be very, very good filling in. And, and even in the past, they've gone three or four deep with guys like Mike Boone able to step in uh, as a third stringer and produce in this offense. Uh, Madison, much like Delvin Cook, has been productive both in the passing game and the running game, but they also have had a bit of uh, injury concerns for both of them as well in the past too. So 
In Madison's case, obviously, if, and in some cases you might say when, Delvin Cook will inevitably get hurt, uh, he can step in and be a true replacement-level player for Cook. But I think Madison's best value would come if he were to be traded to a situation where he could get a chance to be in every down back. Now, I say that with the caveat that I'm concerned if Alexander Madison wasn't every down back that he would break down even more often. That's possible. Very possible. But I think he has standalone value as more as a flex, maybe running back three. I don't think his upside is as high as Hunt if he stays behind Cook. But in that new offense, I do think that it'll have value and can be played as a flex play here and there. Um, my final guy as a handcuff is probably somebody that most people wouldn't even think of in a traditional sense of being a handcuff. They probably don't even think of the team as having a traditional bell cow or lead back, but they do have one. Um, and it's Leonard Fournette's guy, um, Rashad White. Um, he's going off the board as running back 49, 13th, 13th round. Um, minimally, you know that if Fournette were to go down or when he goes down, White's got the ability to catch the ball and they're going to throw the ball. Um, Unless you're worried about Keyshawn Vaughn, he probably gets a little bit more involved also than normal. But um, I like Rashad White with the cost. He's pretty much free. Well, and again, you're not going to see a lot of running from that offense, A, because you've got Tom Brady at quarterback, and B, because their offensive line is built of three guys who have played football as recently as me and Steve. Uh, But in addition to that, you're looking at a guy who – was known as a pass-catching back coming out of college, and that's why they brought him in there. Uh, Obviously, Fournette has been an effective pass-catcher in that offense. And I don't think we really have to worry about Kashawn Vaughn because it really sounds like they're almost shopping him, too, as a possible trade candidate for someone. So I think he's kind of on his way out. So obviously, they let Ronald Jones go, and it looks like he actually might be a a cut casualty in KC coming up here, too. So... uh, it's going to be Fournette as the primary back until he breaks down. And again, I'm not saying if he breaks down. He's going to break down at some point this year. And White's going to step in, and I think White's going to be an effective fill-in. Now, the first time he fumbles the ball, he might find himself on the bench, and they might pull some guy off the street, a la uh, Bill Belichick. But uh, in the time being, I, I like White a lot, too. Yeah. Um there were some guys like Ronde, Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson that I thought about saying, but I don't really see that as a handcuff as much as he's got a defined role in that offense. A lot of people were actually drafting him before Damian Harris at this point. Um, so they're the five guys that I kind of thought were my top targets for handcuffs. Yeah, I, I think the, that list is, is really pretty good. One guy that I would include on the list that is being way underdrafted this year is Daryl Henderson. Cam Akers coming off a major injury last year. Uh, a lot of people say he came back too early to play in the uh, final game there. And uh, he certainly did not look like himself. Uh, he has a very similar skill set to Cam Akers. Uh, you could argue that, I mean, he's had injuries too, so he's as much a danger of getting hurt too. But uh, yeah, I think there's, there's no more Sony Michelle there. So They're both nursing injuries right now too, I believe, right? Yes. So, I mean, and I think that we've heard the coach possibly say that it could, or hint that it could be a three-headed monster. So you could be looking at at Akers, Hendo, and um, Williams carrying the ball somewhat. Kyron Williams. Exactly. Uh, And he's one of those guys that, uh, because of these injuries, has 
hasn't really gotten the, the publicity that he should have. Uh, and he's going to start to see his name crawl up some lists a little bit more, too. But in his case, he's not a true handcuff, whereas I, I feel Henderson's more of a true handcuff that can step in there and be an effective player, again, when Akers gets hurt. True. Very true. Uh, one name that neither of us has brought up yet is Jamal Williams in Detroit. You're, you're right. That's a, that's a no-frills type handcuff for DeAndre Swift. Absolutely. And one other guy who we're going to talk a little bit about in our ADP segment coming up here, because he's one of my picks for ADP, uh, is Mike Davis right now. Mike now, Davis. People might be completely burnt on the idea of, of drafting Mike Davis after the fiasco last year where he was supposedly going to be the starter in Atlanta and then proceeded to have like three carries a game for like five yards. But... That was Atlanta. Atlanta, not a very good team. An even worse rushing team. Now, as of today, right now, Mike Davis is the starting running back for a running-heavy Baltimore Raven team going into the season. We know that Gus Edwards is already going to miss at least the first four games. And J.K. Dobbins is not ready to play yet. Hopefully he will be by week one, but if he isn't, we could be looking at least the first four weeks, Mike Davis being your starting running back for a team that's going to run the ball 60% of the time. Bite your tongue. J.K. Dobbins is my number one running back. On oh, I love J.K. Dobbins, but is, I'm hoping you'll be back, but I'm he is concerned. My, he is my running back one on a team that I started with Justin Jefferson, Travis Kelsey, Mike Evans, and then I decided to hit J.K. Dobbins up, I think it was. Well, speaking of the Baltimore Ravens, do we have to start giving any cadence to Isaiah Likely as a handcuff? Um, likely, that's probably not a bad idea. He sure looks like a bit of a physical freak there. And I'm talking a physical freak like Kyle Pitts, not like Noah Font. <laughs> yeah, um... Hey, anything can happen when you've got look, that offense is gonna be where if they plug somebody in, if they have half the ability, they're gonna to have to they're gonna showcase him in a sense. So he's free. He's free. as a Vikings fan, a, a wide receiver to consider in the handcuff territory is one KJ Osborne. Osborne had a mini breakout last season after then third string wide receiver uh all of BC Johnson was lost for the season due to a ACL injury. Well, going into this season, Osborne was going to be the third receiver again, and all of BC Johnson was scheduled to come back and be the number four receiver this year. But last weekend, all of BC Johnson tore his other ACL and is now out for this season. So KJ Osborne is the undisputed wide receiver three in an offense that's going to be throwing the ball a lot here in Minnesota. And Adam Thielen has had his own share of injuries over the last couple of years, and he's getting a little bit older. So there will be a good chance for Osborne to step into that number two wide receiver role opposite Justin Jefferson at least once or twice this year. And for what it's worth, sorry to hear that about Johnson, right? But it should not be like just give up hope and think it's, it's all over with. I believe Thomas Davis tore his ACLs back-to-back -back years opposite one and then tore another one a the third time, right? And he came yep. back and still had, had a solid career. So let's just keep our fingers crossed that he has a good one. Um, 
So why don't we just uh, one, use... one other handcuff that uh, yeah. we haven't mentioned yet that I want to bring up uh, is a guy who was a very effective handcuff last year when his featured back went down. He's on a different team this year, but he's once again backing up a top five running back in the league. And oh, I know who that running back is coming off of two consecutive seasons, which were basically lost to soft tissue injuries. Who am I talking about? Dante Foreman. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he is going to be the RB2 in Carolina, supplanting Chuba Hubbard. And Foreman could be a bit of a standalone play, too, I guess. Yeah, I kind of, I, I think I've owned both those guys in different leagues, honestly. Um, I think if McCaffrey goes down again, I don't know that we see one of them step in completely, but it would be a split. But Foreman still would have more value with, with CMC out than not. So, exactly. And, he, and again, tr- we haven't even started on all the teams that have quote unquote split backfields. You get your Denver's. Right. Uh, Green Bay, uh, those those aren't true handcuffs. Uh, these situations here are more so ones that you would pick up as a handcuff to secure your player if your player, your top 10 running back, your top five wide receiver, your top two or three tight end went, was to go down. Yeah, because back in the day, a true handcuff had zero value unless your guy went down. Well, no, that gets back to my original comment is, do you want to handcuff your player or do you want to handcuff your opposing team's player? Now, let's look at it from this standpoint. Let's say you have Delvin Cook on your team. And Delvin Cook gets hurt. If you have Alexander Madison, he steps in and replaces Delvin Cook. So you go from having one top five running back to having one top ten running back. Now, let's say you have Delvin Cook on your team and he doesn't get hurt. But your opponent has Christian McCaffrey on his team, and he does get hurt. But you've got Deonta Foreman on your team. Now you've got one top five running back and one top ten running back, and he has none of either. That is how you win by handcuffing. Yeah, that's a lot of what could have should have, though. But there, to me, that what that comes down to is when I'm looking at the end of a draft and I'm looking for high upside value, right? Mm-hmm. Do I have the ability to put that nothingness in my roster and just let it sit there? Or do I have to find somebody that's got some upside but has some value because I know I'm going to need some flex flex appeal, et cetera? Or can I, like I said, just stash them and, and hope type thing? Um, I think it comes down to your roster construction to make that kind of decision in a draft late. Yeah, if, if you use a roster spot to pick up a guy who is currently hurt or possibly suspended like a DeAndre Hopkins or an Odell Beckham, and they're taking up a roster spot. Yeah, it's much much harder than to also use a roster spot on a quote unquote true handcuff. Those are the situations where you want to look at more so the the Kareem Hunt types, the guys who are going to be able to be playable yeah. on a bye week situation. Again, with some of the bye week apocalypses we saw last year with five and six teams on bye the same week. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So if you it's did, hard to deal with. If you did draft somebody like a DeAndre Hopkins, you know that you don't have the ability to, to do that. So if you're looking to get a handcuff, you're going to gonna, you're going to want to look at say Naeem Hines a round or two before a Rashad White, even if you think Rashad White may be a better player in, with higher upside if he gets the role because Fournette gets hurt, because you can't afford to just take that that nothingness that White probably has. He probably has very little value unless Fournette gets hurt. So. But yes, that's a good point to make. 
Well, so now we're going to do a little segment. Uh, uh, a lot of teams will draft players, like you said, uh, and they'll look at their situation and they'll be like, well, this ADP is really, really high for this player. Should they be going earlier than this? And these are players that I personally recommend overpaying for based on their current ADP. Okay. I'm going to start out with a couple of quarterbacks for you. Oh, come on. I'm not doing quarterbacks. I know you don't. But there's two quarterbacks here. And these two quarterbacks are going off as quarterback 27 and quarterback 28. So these are guys you can wait on. <clears throat> They're going off both in the late 10th round, borderline 11th round. Jared Goff and Davis Mills. Now, Goff actually has some weapons this season. Last year, he had a partially injured Amon Ross St. Brown and a partially injured TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift. Well, he's got those three guys. He's brought back Jamal Williams, brought back Quintez Cephas, but he also had a DJ Chark, and at some point this season, we're also going to get Jamison Williams up there. That's a lot of weapons to throw to. He also has the best offensive line in football. Uh, you know, he's been maligned for his pretty much his entire career for mistakes he's made. But last season was his first year as a full-time starter where Goff failed to top 4,000 passing yards. And that that's including missing three games to injury. So, you know, if he had been active for those three games, he would have come pretty close to that 4,000 mark again. He also only had, I believe, eight interceptions last year. So he wasn't making those mistakes a whole lot. Give him more talent. Give him another year in this offense. And we're going to see a 4,000-yard passing uh, season out of Goff once again. And I know that's not Patrick Mahomes, and that's not Aaron Rodgers, and that's not Josh Allen numbers. But this guy's quarterback 27. Yeah. I'll give it to you. You, you. you have me sold on him. But of the two, when you mentioned them, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm all in on Davis Mills as a late-round quarterback. I've not been able to get him in any of my drafts, though. Somebody always beats me because to the someone's on going around early on him. Yes, <laughs> I, I I honestly see. I think that Mills can be a four thousand and thirty guy this year. I, I really, tr I truly agree with you. Uh, I would have liked him a lot more if John Mechie was going to be fully healthy. Obviously, he is out for the year, so instead of having him as their number two receiver, they're going to bring back Nico Collins, who started to, to gel a little bit with Mills as the season went on last year, but obviously. Uh, having three solid receivers rather than just the two, Collins and Cooks, would be a, a boost. Uh, but uh, they've also got the young tight end, Brevin Jordan, who I, I think is primed for a big breakout, too. And I think he's a nice value there Yeah, late in drafts. Okay, so you gave two quarterbacks. Um, you want to keep going? Do you want me to go? I, I got uh, do, you have, do you have any quarterbacks? I, of course I have no quarterbacks. <laughs> I, I didn't think so. Why don't you tell me some of your running backs that you would uh, take early? All right. So I've got one, two, I have two wide receivers, two running backs, and one tight end. I tried to hit the, hit the whole, you know, the whole thing except quarterback. So at running back, there are two guys that stand out to me. Um, they both have very, very similar ADPs. Um, Damian Pierce from the Houston Texans is going 82nd overall, which is a seventh round draft pick um, as running back 30 
And then Chase Edmonds is going off the board at 85, pick 85, eighth round, as running back 31. So they're right there back-to-back. I have no problem reaching around early for each one of those guys. Um, Edmonds, first and foremost, he is the man in Miami. They, he was the first running back signed during free agency, which means what? It means that they went and got the guy they wanted, right? And yep. they paid him a boatload of money comparative to what everybody else in that team in the running back room is making. He is a massive value. Damian Pierce oh. reminds me of a guy, not necessarily running style, but where he came out of nowhere, that used to play for the Houston Texans. Arian Foster. Arian Foster. 100% agree. Uh, unfortunately, the hype is already starting to get to Mr. Pierce. I was in a home league draft this past weekend. He went in the fourth round. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's a little rich. But, I mean, I, he's, I have no problem seeing him up around top 15, 20 in running backs. But here's the thing. We're really into it. So even our home drafts aren't normal home drafts. So for a lot of people, they are going to go to their drafts, and people are going to be looking at fantasy magazines, right? So, so he may not be vaulted all the way up, but I would go as early as, depending on how I draft, I went super, you know, running back, not, sorry, super wide receiver heavy, tight end heavy in early rounds. I could see spending a fifth round pick on Damian Pierce. You might even be able to twist my arm on a, a fourth round pick. It's just not, just not needed most times. Yeah, I, I absolutely totally agree on both those players. In fact, one of the two running backs I had listed was Chase Evans, Chase Evans, Chase Edmonds. Okay. Uh, on the my fantasy league boards, he's going off an average pick of fifty three point six, which falls in at running back thirty. Uh, like you said, he is the top running back option there. Raheem Mostert has, as for his career, has not been able to stay on the field. They just cut Sony Michelle today. Uh, Miles Gaskin has proved over the last year and a half that neither him nor Salvan Ahmed is an answer there. So the job is Chase Edmonds to lose. Uh, and he has looked the part of a starting running back over the last couple of years when he's got the chance. So I like him there. And the other guy at running back I've got listed is a guy I talked a little bit about earlier. And that's Mike Davis going off the board on my fancy league at pick 146, roughly running back 66 overall. As I mentioned, Gus Edwards is out. J.K. Dobbins, no guarantee to return. Uh, Going to be the starter on a run-heavy team. You gotta at least put some cadence to that. I I used MFL ADP also, so I wonder if you must have sorted differently than I did. Um, but that's okay. Okay, uh, I've got two wide receivers and two tight ends also. Well, I've got two wide receivers and one tight end. So, how about if I do my first tight, my first wide receiver? Sounds good. Um, I really like Russ Wilson in Denver. I like Cortland Sutton. His price is a little rich for me in most drafts. I'm, I just I don't feel like I can get him at cost, so I'm not reaching around for him. However, Jerry Judy in the seventh, going off as right around pick 76, makes him wide receiver 32. I have no problem reaching for Judy around early and getting extra value on him compared to Sutton because I honestly could see him eclipsing Sutton's value this year. Um, but at the end of the day, I think they're going to be pretty close. Both those guys are going to return value and be top 24 wide receivers. Well, we're going to stay in the same division for my first wide receiver, and that's Juju Smith-Schuster, who's currently going off the board as wide receiver 27. He's Patrick Mahomes' number one wide receiver, and he's being drafted as a wide receiver three behind 
backup wide receivers like Ellen Robinson and Gabriel Davis, not to mention mediocre receivers like Amon Ross St. Brown and the aforementioned Cortland Sutton. So you know, he's going at wide receiver 27, roughly the end of the fourth, early fifth round. Take him in the third, take him in the fourth if you have to. It's the number one receiver for Patrick Mahomes. And then if you want, you can handcuff him with Sky Moore. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Who's another receiver you got? I've got a guy who's kind of late to the show here, and that's Isaiah McKenzie, whose hype has really been building over the last couple of weeks. He's going off the board uh, right around wide receiver 72. Yep. So I mean, in some leagues, he's not even being drafted yet. But he's outperforming veteran Jamison Crowder in the battle to take over Cole Beasley's role in that offense. And that was a slot machine role there. 114 vacated targets from last season. Now, yeah, some of those targets are going to go to Davis and some are going to go to Diggs. But whoever wins the battle between Crowder and McKenzie, at the very least, will split that remaining 114 targets there. You know what? I, you just made me think of something. Maybe we should have done this on a show once or, or twice. I don't know. I think that everybody gets it wrong in a sense when they're drafting. Every player they're trying to draft, they're trying to draft a person that's going to be a running back one or a wide receiver one or has that kind of upside, right? Yeah. That's, that's not how teams build their teams. They have role players for a reason, right? If you're trying to fill out your wide receiver five or six, it's okay to know that you're going to try and land a guy that's going to wind up with maybe 35, 40 catches for 600 yards and three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. It's okay to understand that because at least you know you're getting something that's going to give you a little something when it's needed. Any event. Okay. So you have two tight ends. I have one. I'm going to let you go. I'm not going to save my, I'm going to save my wide receiver till last. I'm going to see if you can guess my wide receiver. <laughs> That'll be tough. Uh, but I have a feeling our first tight end or my first tight end might match your tight end. I don't know. Let's see. <clears throat> I'm going to go with David Njoku. Going off the board is tight end 16 currently. And Jacoby Brissett is going to need a checkdown option. That's going to be Njoku. And, and eventually, when Deshaun Watson takes over, he has already shown during his time with the Texans to love throwing the ball to talented big tight ends, especially in the red zone. So there's going to be even a, a plus, not any sort of drop-off, but a plus when Watson takes over eventually. Absolutely. You know we talked about him was it last week, the week before, when I had him in my top 12 tight ends. Um, and you kind of made me worry about him a little bit. I was like, eh, maybe I'm being too aggressive on him. But then I did this research for this segment, and I feel better about my, my call, actually. Um, yeah, I'm absolutely reaching a round or two early for Mr. Njoku. Let me ask you a question. Do you think he could notch 60 catches? Yes, 60 catches, I, I believe. Uh, I, I've kind of I've put a ceiling on him right around 65 to 70 catches. Okay. So let's say about 600 yards and a ceiling of roughly six or seven touchdowns. And I was going to say, let's say, do you think he can get to 650 yards? Yes. Or 650. That's a good yes. And six touchdowns. That's possible, right? Yes. I kind of have him in the range of what I also kind of expect from a guy like Hunter Henry or a uh, Dawson Knox, guys who are going way ahead of him in drafts. So I got a little bit of news for you. In a full PPR, 60. 650 and 6, I believe, would put you right around 161 fantasy points, which mm-hmm. is actually right in the range of tight end 5. Pretty nice. So, yes, I'm reaching for Njoku 100%. I have a feeling you're going to 
mention a guy that I'm targeting in a draft I'm in right now. It should get back to me before this publishes, so hopefully you don't do me any disservice. Well, my second tight end is going off the boards as tight end 31. Yep, you're going to say right. <laughs> It's Austin Hooper. Oh, you know, there, there aren't a ton of reliable pass-catching options in Tennessee right now, and uh, obviously they've been known for getting their tight ends involved in the red zone in the past. I really think he's in for a sneaky good season with numbers similar to those we're projecting for David Njoku. So... You know what? I really did. I thought you were going to say Brevin Jordan. I'm looking now how I have it sorted. He's oh, I, I've got him at, at tight end 32 right now, and I like him a lot too. So <laughs> yeah, he's, he's just going to say he's showing up as tight end 32. Um, I think people are going to think that it's Farrow Brown, and he's nursing an injury right now. Farrow Brown could be the starting tight end, and Brevin could still have good value by playing a lot in the slot, actually. So, yeah, I thought especially you were going to say again with don't John Metchie all season, they're going to need someone to be the third option in that passing game. Yep. So he's my target in my flex draft I'm doing. I've got to get, I think it's like 14 picks back to me. Hopefully this isn't published before my pick. Um, Again, you can get him right now in rounds 14, 15, 16 of your draft. But don't be afraid to take him in round 11 or 12 because he's got decent upside there. Again, if you think Davis Mills is in for a big season, someone's going to be that third option, and it's likely going to be Jordan. Yeah, I got cute. Um, it's a best ball league, which makes it even more enticing. But I wound up grabbing the Buffalo Bills, hoping to try and start a little bit of a defensive run because somebody had taken the Rams a couple rounds earlier. And some two teams bit, and then another team bit coming back. So four of them had gone since I'd made that pick. I decided to double down, and I took San Francisco 49ers. And then there was like seven straight defenses got ran off the board. So now I'm hoping that he can make it back to me. Um, I wound up going with Marcus Mariota as a third quarterback. So that's why I, I, I valued the quarterback since there was less of them over Jordan because I think Jordan can last a little longer. But we'll see. Hopefully I don't regret it. Well, as long as you're talking defenses, I didn't really plan for this. But uh, a defense you might want to consider reaching around early for is Indianapolis. I do like the Colts. I do. Um, I actually would have thought going triple defense, three in a row, honestly, for this best ball league because you got to do crazy things in this expert league to win it. So, But they went like two picks after the Niners did. So somebody reached around on them. Who is your wide receiver then? <sighs> My wide receiver. Or give, give me a clue and see if I can figure it out. Okay, let's give you a clue. Um He'll be with a new team for, I believe, it's the second year in a row. He hmm. played with Deshaun Watson in the past. Okay. Uh, I played with Deshaun Watson in the past, so he would have been a Texan at some point. I didn't say it Or, no, it may have been at, in college. I, I didn't think about that. Say <laughs> in the NFL. I did that on purpose. Yep, uh, but he's playing a, for a team for the second year in a row. He's free. He's free? He's free. <laughs> he is currently not listed in MFL's ADP. Oh, wow. Um, All right, you ready? I am ready. 
you've talked about how the Houston Texans need to replace um, their rookie wide receiver, right? Yes. And they had to replace another wide receiver the year before that because he left to go to the Dolphins. And then he got hurt and hurt his finger and only played two games. And now Will Fuller's just sitting out there waiting. And he's free. Truly, he is free in drafts. <laughs> take him. You can take him with your last pick, but you can reach and get him two rounds before the end of the draft and still stash him on your bench. He is going to play for somebody somewhere. And now here's how I look at it. If he was on a team right now that had a need at wide receiver, where would he go in a draft that started right after he signed? Well, not just a team that has a need at wide receiver. Imagine if you were to sign on a team that had a need at wide receiver and had a future Hall of Fame quarterback like Aaron Rodgers throwing him the football. Yeah, that too. <laughs> or he could wind up in Baltimore. I know they just signed another former Kansas City Chief wide receiver. Um, but there's just there's some stuff happens. He There's no way he's not playing football this year, I don't think. Do you think he doesn't play football this year? No. And, again, the only way he doesn't play football this year is if he chooses not to play football this year. Right. And – yeah, he may play and then get hurt at some point, but he's free. <laughs> he's free. And if you don't like Fuller and you would look at OBJ, you can't. I don't even like OBJ's upside as much as I do Fuller's. Well, because we, we really know right now, or we have a good idea that OBJ won't play until week eight or week nine at the earliest. Right. Fuller is, as far as we're all aware ready to play right now. It's just a matter of finding a place to sign. Yeah, I'm a little shocked that he hasn't signed somewhere yet. Um, but I think what we could see is to shake out from the 53-man roster announcements, and then you could see him land a spot. Or after week one, when somebody goes down, which inevitably you know is going to happen, right? Oh, yeah. And, and he'll be, he's got to be, I would think, one of the first guys on speed dial for every team. Um, I'm going to throw out one other wide receiver name that I didn't write down the actual wide receiver uh range for him now, but I got to assume he's one of those guys that's going way, way late, probably in the Isaiah McKenzie range, but he's going to be starting. In fact, I'll give two names of two players that are going to be starting on bad offenses that need receivers. Both of these guys are playing on a new team this year, and both of them came from a different team last year, the same team. You're not asking me to guess, are you? I just thought I'd give you a chance to guess if you can. <laughs> no, I got no clue. Go ahead. Well, both of these players played in Vegas last season. Okay. And now they're on two different teams where they'll both be starters on the outside, that being Zay Jones and Brian Edwards. So I do like the Zay Jones. He's been somebody that's been in like all my cues as I'm getting the drafts winding down. And I've just found the different need. Like I needed a, another tight end or I needed some, some safety at running back. And I haven't been able to pull the trigger on him or the where I was getting ready to pull the trigger on him. Somebody beat me to the punch by grabbing him around early. So I absolutely love the Zay Jones call. Absolutely do. Both, both those guys are going at the end of your draft right now. They're both playing on teams that are quote unquote bad, which means they'll probably be playing from behind a lot, which means they're going to have to throw the ball a lot. And they're both starting. Yeah, Zay is going as like wide receiver. Look, Zay's wide receiver 92. He's going after Curtis Samuel, if that tells you anything. Uh, ironically, Zay Jones has some of his targets now been freed up there because Jacksonville just traded 
Curtis Samuel or LaVisca Chenault to the Carolina Panthers who are ultimately still trying to replace Curtis Samuel. <laughs> right. And then Brian Edwards is going as wide receiver 81. So he's actually a little bit richer in price. Um, I like Zay better, quite honestly. Um, but hey, Zay's more of a three, right? And Brian's more of a two at this point. So I get it. Exactly. All right. Well, there you go. We didn't give any of those, you know, cushy, easy to pick. Oh, reach for this guy because he's a stud. Go from the third to the second round or take Barkley in round one instead of round two when he's already going in round one and stuff like that. We kind of gave you some good values, I think. Hopefully the ones that you'll use in the upcoming days as fantasy drafts wind down and we approach the season. As we approach the season, you know what that means. Next week is DFS. DFS. It's back. DFS is back for all you (laughs) gambling Degenerates. Degenerates. (laughs) I almost said illiterates, um, but degenerates, yes. Anyway, if you need any help as your drafts approach and with the coming weekend, et cetera, feel free to reach out to Harley at Nuclear Harley. Reach out to me at Steve Gallo NFL. And, of course, if you're not already a member at thehuddle.com, please go ahead, register. You won't regret it. It's, you're not going to miss out. It's an annual yearly calendar year membership. So whatever you missed out on earlier this year, you'll get next year. Um, and look, always keep this in mind. Make sure you're drafting the right Adrian Peterson, right? <laughs> Don't bid yourself up in auctions. Don't bid yourself up in auctions more than <laughs> five, six, seven, eight times at least. And have fun. When you can't decide between a player, two players that you kind of like, draft the one that you want to have fun with. And then last and most importantly, especially in your draft, get blitz responsible. Cheers. Cheers.